0: Hubhopper Originals.
1: To start your podcast for free, log on to studio.hubhopper.com. When we're early on in our career, because we're doing things for the first time, when you're doing a lot of the things for the first time, by definition, your confidence is going to be low. You have not done this before. You have never led a team before, let's say. Or you've never handled a project of a certain scale before. So why are you putting that kind of pressure on yourself and making yourself feel bad by saying, oh, but I don't feel more confident. I wish I could feel more confident. I think we just take it as a given that in that early phase of our life, uh, in our career, confidence is going to be low and that is okay because we don't need confidence so much to succeed during that phase of our life what we need is courage and courage is different from confidence Mm. confidence says I can do this and that voice of I can do this will come it'll come many years later but it will come after I've done something many many times courage is that voice in us that says look I have never done this before but it is important to me it is important to my growth Mm. something I value Um, so I am going to go ahead and do it anyway even though I have no idea how this is going to go.
0: Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjapa entrepreneur, high-achieving 9-to-5-er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos, and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Thank you for tuning in. On the show today is Babanathur, who is not just a dear friend now, but someone I deeply admire. And before we get started with the conversation, with the interview, I want to take a moment not just to introduce her, but to share with you a backstory and what putting yourself out there, building a network really means. In 2017, when I was planning to start my own business, I started to look around at other people who could be role models, who were doing the work that I felt was inspiring, that I felt that I wanted to do too. And in my research, I found Bhavna Thur and she was in Bangalore and I wanted to really meet her and hear from her and connect with her. And I wasn't sure how um, the meeting would go, but I decided to make it happen. So I went to this program that she was leading for Lean In, Bangalore chapter, I remember. And I attended her program and at the end of the program, I waited to connect with her and I said, I walked up to her and I said, Hi Bhavna, I came to this program because I wanted to meet you. I really like your work and I love the program that you hosted today and I gave her my business card at that time she looked at my card and she said you know just three four days back someone mentioned that I needed to meet with you and collaborate with you and uh, I said oh my god who knows about me because I'm just uh, getting started and then she said that she met my boss uh, my ex-boss at uh, Dell and it can be such a small world And my boss had told her about me and the business that I wanted to start. So it's a really small world and we built an instant connection there. And then it is to Bhavna's credit that she also took the relationship forward. She stayed in touch. We connected with each other. We collaborated on a couple of programs now. She had me come on as a mentor for one of her uh, you know, signature programs, which is Lead Like a Girl. And then today, I also do a few workshops for her other signature program, which is the Conscious Woman program, which we will be talking about during our conversation. With that, let me share a little bit about my guest today. Bhavnathur is the founder of Shinomics a mindful leadership platform supporting women to live and lead from within under bhavna's leadership shinomics has helped over 100,000 women thrive in their careers as an internationally trained mindfulness and women's leadership expert bhavna has spoken on various platforms including tedx and has trained and coached high potential women at leading fortune 500 companies from around the world previously Bhavna was mentoring leaders and entrepreneurs as the CEO and director of the Nationals. Previously, Bhavna was mentoring leaders and entrepreneurs as the CEO and director of the National Social Entrepreneurship Forum and an entrepreneur in residence at the GSF Global Accelerator. Prior to that, Bhavna had a nine-year celebrated career on Wall Street, most recently as a vice president and client portfolio manager for a portfolio of hedge funds at a top investment firm, in New York. Bhavna has lived and worked in over seven countries and has an MBA in social impact from New York University's Stern School of Business. Bhavna is a former Miss India New York and a fitness, yoga, and dance enthusiast. Join me as I talk to Bhavna not just about her journey but about our topic for today, which is mindful leadership. Hi and welcome to the Success with Savita show. With me today is Babna Toor, who first I have to say is someone that I'm personally inspired by. She has inspired my career. She is one of the first people I went out, met, networked, like I shared in the introduction. Bhavna, I'm so excited to have you here today. It's an honor and it's a pleasure to have you on my show. It's been
1: long overdue and finally I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Thank you so much, Savita, for having me on your podcast. I equally uh, have loved watching your uh, success over the years. So I think we're part of a mutual admiration society. And I'm really glad we get to have this chat today.
0: Yeah, and I truly believe that, uh, you know, we talk about women supporting women hashtag. But I think in my case, you have been someone who supported me uh, right from day one. So I think it's really living up to women supporting women. With that, I want to dive in right into your story, your journey and the work that you do. Because I know we have a lot to get through. So I want to start off with having you share with us your journey so far
1: and why you started Xenomics? Great question. Uh, so my journey goes back quite a bit. If I you know, tie it back to from where I began. So uh, growing up, of course, just, just a regular middle class family. But one thing that was interesting was uh, my father was a diplomat with the Indian Foreign Service, because of which we ended up spending a lot of time um, living across different parts of the world. So I grew up in countries Mm -hmm. like Bangladesh, Nigeria, UK, US is where I spent the most amount of time. So I was in uh, living in New York for close to 13 years. Uh, That's where I did. The initial initial phase of my professional career was really in finance because New York, uh, at least back then, for all intents and purposes, was very, very finance heavy. And I loved it. Um, And then I went on to get my MBA from um, NYU and for me, as I was finishing business school is where is when I say I had a turning point in my life and it was some really simple episode in my life, but it spawned a lot of introspection. So I went to this interview, this was right towards the end of business school. And uh, this was for a consulting gig. Uh, And at the time I thought that it would be an interesting area to explore. And I remember sitting across from the person who was interviewing me Mm -hmm. and she asked a very normal standard interview question, which is Pavna, tell me about a time when you failed and what you learned from that. And you would think I would have a canned response to a question like that. But I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I couldn't come up with a single good answer for her. I made something up, but I wasn't really proud of my answer. What that did was, when I went home, I really thought about, okay, why couldn't I answer that question? And for many, many days after that, I really thought about that, that why do why do I not have an answer? And the more I thought about it, there was only one answer that kept coming back to me, and that is, Pavna, you have led a very, very safe life. You have pretty much... Made a series of safe choices because of which you don't have a good failure story. In order to have a good failure story, you have to go out there and take risks. You have to push yourself significantly outside your comfort zone. And for me, partly because of my conditioning, partly maybe because of a variety of factors, I think I think which is which are tr- which is true for a lot of us. Um, I was really only doing things where I knew there was a high chance of success. And so I I asked myself, okay, where has living like this got me? Yes, I have some measure of success, great. Uh, But am I truly happy? Can I go to bed at night telling myself that I have created a life which is really giving me a sense of meaning and fulfillment in the truest sense of the word. And the answer was a big fat no. And that is for the first time in my life, I woke up and I knew I had to do something dramatically different or I would always regret it. And that is when I made a decision to Uh, really go out there and for the first time in my my life, just explore, just experiment, try different things. Mm. And uh, at the time, I was really interested in entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship in particular. There was a lot happening in India at the time. So I decided to, uh, at the time, felt like a fairly dramatic decision. I decided to move to India, not knowing a single soul in this city of Bangalore that I'm in at the time. But um, that is where that is where my heart uh, led me, uh, especially when I asked myself, what would be the courageous thing to do? Because okay. I was done living safely. And after a lot of experimentation, and because I was working with a lot of entrepreneurs at the time, two things happened. One is I realized I wanted to do something entrepreneurial myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought, about where can I really make a contribution? And for me, because I was coming from this heavily uh, male dominated world of Wall Street and finance, where 99% of the time I was the only woman in the room. And so I know the kind of struggles I faced in terms of asking the kind of questions we all ask in our careers. How do I own my voice? How do I, what kind of presence can I create in the room? So people take me seriously all of those things and and i knew that there are a lot of women out there who must also be asking those questions so let's let's focus on this because we do need more women leaders in the world no question Um, so that was one and then the second thing that happened to me is when i moved to india i never stopped asking myself the question how do i make a bigger impact what am i here to do all of these questions i think that at some point in our lives especially with women i see we do ask ourselves these deeper questions And I exposed myself to a a number of different schools of thought and philosophies. The one that really made the biggest difference to me was mindfulness. So it all began with a 10 day Vipassana retreat, meditation retreat. And after that, the more and more I delved into it, I realized that all the answers that I'm looking for, I've been like looking all around me for answers. But the truth is for, and this is true for each and every one of us, whatever answers we're looking for, instead of looking outside, we have to turn the lens within and just create some stillness and ask ourselves, what is it that we really want? And the answers always come. They come over time, but they come. And so this, I, I wanted to then really combine this, this inward looking approach with traditional uh, leadership, women's leadership. And that's how by marrying mindful leadership and women's leadership, uh, I ended up creating Shinomics as a mindful leadership platform for women. Yeah, wow. I think you've truly like
0: lived what you mean when you say mindfulness, because I think it took self-awareness to go through this journey and a lot of courage to quit what's going really well and to come, like you said, to Bangalore Uh, that must have been an interesting time as well and to start something without knowing that there is a chance of success I think that's something that so you've truly taken time out to think through be mindful and the answers have come to you and of of course I mean hats off to you I couldn't have done it I couldn't have moved I'm sure when I look back but when you speak about mindful leadership how do you define it because today you ask people leadership and then mindful leadership. I don't know if they uh, put those two words together. So this is a very interesting way of looking at leadership and how do you, so how do you define it? What is it and how do you define it?
1: Yes, Uh, mindful leadership quite simply is this idea of leading with self-awareness. And there are two ways of looking at self-awareness. One is internal self-awareness, where I turn the lens inward and I ask myself, what do I love? What are my passions? Uh, What am I good at? What do I want to get better at? Uh, What are my values that I want to express through my work? What are my highest and deepest aspirations? What are the things that I'm really excited about contributing to? And when you have those answers, making sure that the work that you are doing, whether it's it's the, what you're already doing, or you're at a stage where you are thinking about what kind of work you wish to do, to just bring all of it into alignment. Because when you bring all of those aspects of yourself into alignment, that is when we really express, uh, when we really feel a sense of meaning mm. with our work. Um, that is what I found with myself. That is what I found with scores of women that we have worked with over the years. And, you know, Savita, even looking at you, I think the reason why you are as successful as you are is because you've done the same for yourself. You've you've asked yourself, okay, what am I good at? What do I love? And how do I work with even just these two things to make the highest contribution that I can make? And and that is what you're doing, which is why you are so good at what you do. And I wish um, more and more of us would ask the same questions and then have the courage also then to craft a life and career that honors those truths about ourselves. Mm. Um, So that is internal self-awareness. And then, of course, you also combine it with a sense of what we call external self-awareness, which is being mindful of how do others view me? Because there's one thing of how I view myself, but it's also equally important to know how are others viewing me? And what is the impact I'm having on the people around me? And then a combination of the two, the more and more I lead with that internal and external self-awareness, that is when I can really elevate my game in terms of being able to make impact at the highest level. So in mindful leadership, those are some of the key pillars we're looking at. How do we combine the inner work of looking within with the outer work of building a certain set of capabilities and skills that is going to allow me to live life on my own terms and create the kind of career that really gives me that sense of meaning. Yeah,
0: I think you beautifully defined it because as you're speaking, I'm thinking about who I needed when I was 30, who I needed when I was just starting out. I didn't have the awareness. You just dove into the rat race and you were like competitive. And now I'm thinking, why were we so, competitive or why did we want all of the things we wanted and maybe if I had someone like you in my life at that time my path would have been different right so I think you answered that so beautifully and I wish you were my coach uh, the one that I needed then I set out to do that for myself although of course because I focus on business but My next question is about what have you observed? Because you've done so much work with women in leadership. What have you observed when it comes to women in leadership roles? What I mean is, how do they compare versus their male counterparts? It's not a him versus her kind of question that I'm asking. But I'm saying there is is a difference in the way women lead. And what have you observed the good uh, and the ones that need a lot of work as well?
1: That's a a great question, Savita, and what's interesting is for the longest time, the politically correct answer was actually to say there are no differences, male leaders, female leaders, it doesn't matter, whatever gender, um, there is no difference, but what we now know and what we now know is the more evolved way of thinking is to say yes there are differences whether those differences are because of nature or nurture or a combination of the two yes there are differences and let's value those differences let's not ignore those differences and force fit a certain kind of gender sameness and neutrality on everyone around us and design our workplace and everything else based on that sameness because if we do then we're not seeing and honoring the unique the uniqueness let's say that that we as women are bringing to the to the table so for example for women i think some of the things that i have seen and again this may not be true of all women Right. But for many of them, um, if I focus uh, on on the positives in particular, one thing that is true for many, many of them is we do like a a very collaborative way of working. We care about the people that we work with. When we're making decisions, we like to build consensus. We want to know what everybody in the room is thinking. Uh, We wanna take everyone along with us. And yes, maybe sometimes you can argue that in the short run, this can slow things down possibly, but in the long run, this is the thing that then creates a loyal and an engaged team that is going to give you the best results. Um, And it's it's really one one of the strengths that I've seen in so many women leaders and why they're so good at what they do. In addition to that, especially in this post-pandemic world, and there have been so many studies that have come out recently to support this, women have done an exceptional job at leading in this kind of an environment. In fact, in this kind of environment is where they've really shown that they can thrive. Um, and, and I've 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 spoken to so many leaders who've shared exactly this, that they've been really impressed with the women um, leaders in their organization, the way they have stepped up the kind of emotional intelligence Mm. and the compassion that they have shown at this time uh, to take care of every single person on their team at a time when they really needed that kind of support. And in order to Become more resilient. So these are all exceptional strengths, I feel, that women leaders have shown. And I think we should be proud. We should proudly own this. Again, I don't want to get into any kind of comparison, but for us as women, for absolutely, for a, a vast majority of the ones that I've come. Uh, into close contact with, these are qualities that I I see time and again. And the beautiful thing about all of these qualities is that the kind of world we're moving into, you know, we're no longer in that traditional world where the old model of command and control type of leadership is going to work anymore, especially in in countries like India, where we have a large millennial population, which wants leaders who lead in this way, who lead with a collaborative style, who lead with compassion and humility and emotional intelligence, all of these traits that women bring to the table. So I think it's a fantastic time to be a woman leader. And uh, yes, we have, we have, there's a huge impact we can make. Thank you for sharing that, Babna. And while
0: this is the exceptional thing about women in leadership roles, what areas do you think today, even today, what areas do you think women are holding themselves back
1: at? Mm, That's a great question as well, Savita. One thing I would do is just slightly modify that question or maybe significantly modify that question because And I know you're coming from a very well meaning place. This is a question that gets asked a lot. However, when we ask this question, where are women holding themselves back? What we're implying is that we are the problem. Mm, True. And therefore we have to solve the problem, and we alone can solve the problem. And while to some extent that's true, what that ignores is that there are a lot of factors at play because of which women end up holding themselves back in some way. Mm. Um, for example, let's let's take a concrete example. So one thing that um, gets associated with women a lot is this whole thing of imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and self-doubt that as women, because of this self-doubt that we experience and imposter syndrome that we all have or many of us have that gets in our way. And that is the reason why we are not as successful as we are, or we're not taking as many risks as we could, et cetera, et cetera. And here's here's the interesting thing about the imposter syndrome. And, And in fact, I just had this conversation with a group of women today. There are two forms of conditioning that influence the imposter syndrome because, and both of those women may not be entirely responsible for. And the the moment we become aware about those forces, yes, then we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. But we at least should not assume that I am the reason why I have the imposter syndrome. So for example, so the two things that I'm specifically referring to, one is um, just the conditioning of the brain. So we call it the evolutionary conditioning, call it the brain's wiring. Um, we all, we, we, we think 70,000 thoughts per day. Mm. Majority of those are the same every single day. 90% of those thoughts supposedly are the same every day. Not only that majority of those thoughts tend to be negative every single day. What that means is, um, the brain is wired to constantly look for problems and errors. So if you are thinking about yourself. There's a high likelihood that as you're thinking about yourself, you are going to look for problems and errors. You're going to think about all the things you're lacking in. Mm. You're going to think about all the ways in which you are not enough. I am not good enough. Uh, I am not successful enough. Uh, I am not confident enough. There's some version. I'm not fast enough. I'm I'm not fast enough. Yeah. is some version of not enough that any one of us would would come up with and that's just the nature of the brain that doesn't always support us in thriving it helps us in surviving yes but not in thriving so am i responsible for that no that's just the wiring of my brain the second thing is the social cultural conditioning that influences all of us as women for example right from when we were little girls, what is the one thing we're all told we should be so that we are liked by everyone around us. And that is that as girls, we must always be nice. We must always play nice. So this good girl conditioning runs so deep with so many of us, you fast forward to the workplace and you ask, okay, why as women aren't we speaking up more? Because that same conditioning, that same voice in our head, yes, we want to sometimes challenge the people around us. Yes, we want to state a controversial opinion. But then then that voice inside us says, but no, what if this is not received well what what will the other person think if i ask what will my boss think if i ask for so such and such role or ask for this uh promotion so early in my in my career there are all manner of things that we start asking ourselves because we don't want anyone to think badly of us so Again, coming back to the evolutionary conditioning and the cultural conditioning which gets in our way, am I entirely responsible for both of those things? No. Do they, do they play a role in how I show up? Yes. So once I become aware that yes, these forces are at work, I can wake up and that's a lot of the work around self awareness that we do is exactly this. How do we become conscious of the forces that are holding us back? and do it in a way where we also practice self-compassion. And we tell ourselves, yes, there are n number of things that are making me feel like I'm not enough or I'm not doing a good enough job, but let me not make myself wrong for thinking that because I'm not entirely responsible for the 70,000 thoughts that go through my head every single day. Um, So in a nutshell, How are we holding ourselves back? Uh, Yes, there are all of these forces that are at play, but I wouldn't say so much that we are holding ourselves back, but yes, there are things that are getting in our way, which we can be aware of. And these are some of the things that, yes, that get in the way for for all of us. Um, And if I could just add one more thing to that, um, the other thing that also gets in our way in a larger sense is when you look at the workplace, let's be honest, the workplace culture, the systems, all of that were initially because at the time when um, all of this came into being, there were mostly men um, in, in working. And even now, at least in India, it's, it's mostly uh, women comprise a small percentage of, of the workforce a lot of the culture is designed with men in mind and a lot of the uh, consciously or unconsciously a lot of the performance metrics are also designed keeping men in mind and when you expect women to also abide by a standard that was not even of their choosing or to conform to a culture also that was not even of their choosing that does um, create a whole bunch of problems. Um, you don't feel like you can be yourself. Uh, you don't feel like you can be your true authentic self. You don't feel like you can perform at the at the highest level. And fundamentally what happens with a lot of women is you don't feel valued. In fact, that's the st- startling um, or maybe not so startling um research that we're uncovering now with with uh by going out there and just asking a lot of women why 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 are you leaving the workforce or even just changing jobs after a significant period of time what motivates you to to leave an organization vast majority of them have told us it's because they don't feel valued so all this to say we, we wanna be, let's ask the right questions because if we keep saying, how are women holding themselves back? We'll keep thinking that women are the problem and as women, we have to solve the problem. But instead, I think let's ask a bigger question which is what is getting in the way of women succeeding and thriving in large numbers in in the workplace? Yeah, I, I love how you answered this. And yes, of course, uh, what I meant was, uh,
0: you know, what is stopping them um, but i like how you would say that you know ask the better question ask a different question and i was actually going to say when you were saying uh, why people leave why why do women leave the workforce it is precisely that reason because if you're not valued you don't want to be putting in the effort or there you want to move on to another place where you are valued and respected for your uh, skill sets for what you bring to the table and uh, yeah I mean I love the answer and I love the change that you were saying we should change the way we ask these questions yeah. like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show and with that I want to ask you at Chinomics how do you approach this through your programs and coaching uh, building awareness helping understand, you know, helping women uh, and the workplace and and the work that you do is not just for uh, people who are working, but also to the people who are uh, leaders in the workplace and how are you helping them redefine their own approach to uh, leadership, to leading their teams, leading their people?
1: Yes. So we, um, keeping all of this in mind, we've designed our signature program With all of these various assets, so we begin with a foundation of what we call focusing on inner work or the inner game where it is about building the self awareness around all of the things that relates specifically to you in terms of who are you? What's important to you? What do you value? What makes you come alive? What is the vision that you wanna create for yourself that is most personally meaningful and exciting to you? Um, So using mindfulness and mindfulness-based tools to really uncover a lot of these important questions which are important for any of us to answer. And once we've laid that foundation of inner work, then on top of that, yes, we then also look at how do you work with who you are and now project that outward to make an impact externally mm-hmm. because yes, I, I it's important for me to understand myself but then I also need to understand how do I take the sum total of who I am mm-hmm. to work with others around me so I can really make uh, the biggest impact I can make and that's where we're focusing on all manner of skills and capabilities that are especially going to help women thrive given the kind of work environment and just environment in general that we're still in. Because let's be honest, as much as we're all working towards this uh, utopian world where our gender is not even a question. And people just look at us as professionals and as leaders, not as women professionals and as women leaders. But we're not quite there yet. I think we're, no. we're making progress. We're not quite there yet. So it is important for us to be mindful of, OK, in this world, yes, maybe I cannot change it uh, overnight, but how do I get smart mm. about it? And speak in a way that is going to make sure I'm taken seriously. Network with the right kind of people so that my advancement also uh, becomes a priority uh, or is, 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 is of importance to the people around me. Let me ask for the things that I want and not just expect people to magically notice my work and yeah. and and uh, and make those decisions themselves so all of these things and we, we 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 work uh, on that so it's really a combination of inner work and outer work and um one of the flagship programs that we launched last year that we're doing this through is a conscious woman program because one thing we're really passionate about is creating more conscious and compassionate leaders in the world And the conscious woman program is designed with exactly keeping that in mind. And in fact, one of the core things that we have people do in that program is we have every single participant who's in that program undertake what we call a compassion project, which is basically your um, authentic expression of compassion in the world. So you go out there, pick any 50 people that you would like to positively impact, whether in the organization or in your communities and go design an initiative that's going to allow you to do that. Because not only will you step up as a leader and build your visibility as a conscious and compassionate leader by doing that, but then you're also going out there and making a meaningful difference. And I think we all need more of that.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think um, the great thing about that is it fuels
0: in turn... Um, confidence builds experience you're challenging yourself a little bit because you know you're to create this project so I love all the things that uh, go into the making of this not just the program but also this project that they're going to put together and uh, with that I do want to ask you because you are covering and you're you're working with um, women in the organization right from the time they start their career to senior leadership and CXOs So my um, question to you for the audience listening in is what is your advice for women to be able to scale into leadership roles? I'm saying people who are probably right now in middle management and then they want to scale. What is your advice, one, two or three things that you recommend they start doing right away and apply um, for them to be able to scale?
1: Sure. I I think there are definitely a few things that come to mind that will definitely make a difference. The first, I would say, which can really help you brand yourself in a really confident way and feel really, and and, and would help you help differentiate you as well is to be really aware Mm -hmm. and mindful of what are the core values that you want to build your identity or your brand around? To to know with just without a shadow of a doubt, who am I, what do I stand for? Hmm. When anyone thinks of me, when anyone mentions my name in the room, what is the one, two or three things that I want everyone in the room to say about me? that is really powerful for you to know and also for you to be able to really craft a, an impactful and meaningful leadership identity around. So I think, um, and this also ties in and, uh, with, with um, the whole work around or the whole research around self-affirmation theory that for us. Uh, and again, especially as women, for us to really feel greater confidence, the more and more we affirm who we are through our values. So we're so good at, you know, tearing ourselves down, which is the opposite of that, with that self-critical voice. But the more and more we affirm ourselves and build ourselves up by affirming our values on a daily basis, by asking what do I value and how do I treat my values into a set of behaviors and actions that the entire world around me can see and start associating with me, that is when I'm really uh, leading um, in in, in a mindful and impactful way. The other few things I would say, one thing that, and and this is something I feel really passionate about is, it's so important for us to, especially uh, with senior leaders, my encouragement would be to really dare to be authentic. So once you have that kind of clarity about who you are, just to go out there and be your true authentic self, because when you do, when you do that, um, not only are you in a very subtle way, changing the culture around you, because you're saying, look, I'm not going to conform to whatever the prevailing model of leadership is or whatever, Uh, the culture expects me to be. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. And this is how I'm going to show up. Um, So you start to subtly change the culture around you. But not only, but you give so much courage to other women as well. Other like, you know, younger, junior women um, who are looking up to you. And the more and more they see you as being yourself, the more and more they feel empowered to do the same. So I think uh, daring to be authentic, and also while you're doing that, daring to be visible mm. uh, is so key. I know Savita, you talk a lot about this as well. In fact, you know, uh, conscious visibility is is, is, is something we, we both really care about. Um, but I think that's so important because if you look at the workplace right now, as it is, especially in India, the numbers are actually uh, have reached a point where they're truly horrifying. Yeah we are close we now have the last number that I saw was close to 15 percent women yeah. in the workforce thought, yeah um, and, and there' are already so few of us especially at the senior most levels and then if even then those whatever percentage of women that are there in leadership levels if they also don't for whatever reason don't make themselves more visible yeah then what is the message that the rest of us are, are, are getting? Um, because one thing we know is, um, to, to one thing that really helps more and more women really have bigger aspirations is when they see more female role models around them. So the more these senior women really, uh, challenge themselves to make themselves more visible because a lot of them I've seen don't make it a priority for whatever reason because they feel like hey I've succeeded so far in my in my career without focusing too much on my visibility Um, why why should it be something I should focus on now and uh, and I think you and I both know how how impactful it is when you do that in the organization and even otherwise right now we live in a virtual world and the more you put yourself out there even through things like social media as as you do so well Savita i think It just, it it just, then I have a bigger platform. So you're talking about how do we create scale when I give myself a a bigger platform. And then when I talk about the things I care about the causes I believe in the work that I want to promote I now have a much bigger audience and a bigger set of supporters who can support me in creating impact with my work. So I think those are uh, some of the things that can really yeah i i completely resonate with you and especially when you say when
0: senior leaders are visible it shows other people who are watching them that there's this is what i can aspire to there's a path for me mm-hmm. um and i have to I, I recollect my own example when i joined icicf credential um back in uh, 20 2007 i remember at that point every part of you know, ICICI's business, I, I bank, Prudential, uh, the, um, you know, every part of their business had a female CEO, okay, and it felt like now when I'm looking back at that time, we did feel like, okay, there is a future and we can see that future because if you do all of these things there is a possibility that you could you too could lead so i i totally resonate with what you've shared and therefore that's for people who are in middle management and then one i'm senior management if they want to continue to scale and why they should do that and why be visible and for young women because i know you have a program which is also for young women right and what is what should they focus on in the early years of their career? Let's say in the first three to four years or five years of their career, what would you recommend they focus on uh, in the
1: early days? What I'll begin with is actually what they should not focus on, okay. because this is something I see uh, with a lot of young women and, and rightly so, uh, I, I don't fault them for wanting this. One thing, especially after coaching a lot of young women, I realized a lot of, and then of course, looking back at my own journey as well, this was true for me as well, is we place a great amount of importance on confidence. Yeah. Uh, you ask many young women, the first, uh, many of them will say, I wanna be more confident. I wanna be more confident. And they make a lot of choices and decisions in their career also mm-hmm. on, the level of confidence that they might be feeling to make a certain kind of move or to be a part of something. And I say, don't overvalue confidence because the fact of the matter is, and and let's just accept it, when we're early on in our career, because we're doing things for the first time, when you're doing a lot of the things for the first time, by definition, your confidence is going to be low. You have not done this before. You have never led a team before, let's say, or you've never handled a project of a certain scale before. So why are you putting that kind of pressure on yourself and making yourself feel bad by saying, oh, but I don't feel more confident. I wish I could feel more confident. I think we just take it as a given that in that early phase of our life, uh, in our career, our confidence is going to be low and that is okay because we don't need confidence so much to succeed during that phase of our life. What we need is courage and courage is different from confidence. Mm. Confidence says, I can do this. And that voice of, I can do this will come. It'll come many years later, but it will come after I've done something many, many times. Courage is that voice in us that says, look, I have never done this before but it is important to me. It is important to my growth, Mm. something I value. Um, So I am going to go ahead and do it anyway, even though I have no idea how this is going to go. So I think if we consistently keep, as as young women, keep choosing courage over confidence and choosing courage by asking ourselves the right questions in terms of what is important to me? How do I want to grow? What do I want to learn? And if the answer is uh, is is yes, and is taking you in a certain direction, to then just take those baby steps towards those dire- to, in in that direction, that's that's really the way. Because otherwise, and I know I did this to myself: is uh, I did not have a lot of confidence when I first began, and then on top of that, because I was always beating myself up over not having enough confidence, I had shattered my self-esteem as well. And I didn't really feel too good about myself. So that's the first thing. Don't overvalue confidence, pick courage over uh, confidence. The second thing I would say is the good thing when you're young is you have your whole career ahead of you. So just be open to experimenting. Um, Don't think you have to figure everything out right away and you have to find whatever is your, you know, your path, and you have to find the sense of purpose, it will come. Yeah. I think, um, again, knowing from my own example, I know it comes, sometimes it comes much, much later, later than you want, the yeah. sense, this feeling of, yes, I feel like I'm doing something purposeful and meaningful. It may not come in the first 10 years, and it's okay. I think if we can devote those first 10 years to just learning and exposing ourselves as much as possible to a multitude of things and multitude of roles and learning opportunities, um, that alone is such a strong foundation for success uh, later on. Um, And the final thing I would say, and this is, I think, true for any stage in one's career, but especially I think uh, in the, in the early stages can, can create a lot of value is just invest in your network Mm, in, in a set of mentors and, and advisors, because you will find at that stage, there'll be so, so, so many people who will step up and will be so excited and so happy about giving you that kind of guidance. So to not be shy about reaching out to as many people as possible, I would say, yeah, those are the three things that I think, (laughs) A difference, yeah that's
0: so much value i mean i'm just thinking back on our conversation so far you have given us so much value so far and i have to agree with you on networking i never did any networking i mean i network with people inside my organization but i never thought it was important and now when i look back i'm like oh my god like why did i do that i had so many opportunities which i didn't take up so uh, yeah i mean great points And then now what I want to do is bring the spotlight back to you. How, I mean, I love looking at everybody else's uh, days, how, what their day is like, what their business is like, and uh, so walk us through a day in your life.
1: What does it look like behind the scenes? Uh, A day in my life, Uh, so one thing I'll say, one thing that has worked really well for me, and I always uh, encourage other people to have this as well, is a set of very clearly defined routines and rituals. Um, And this became even more important for me beginning last year in this post-pandemic world, when the world around you is so uncertain and you have no idea what you're going to be dealing with in your workday or in the the world around you, to have a certain set of predictable rituals and routines can give you so much comfort um, in knowing that, yes, the world around may be certain, but I am creating a sense of certainty for myself that calms me and that works for me. And when it comes to the routines and rituals, of course, the morning routine. Oh, my God. For me, this is absolutely sacred. I am a huge believer in beginning the day by giving to yourself first. And it's the classic let's put on the oxygen mask uh, for ourselves first before mm. we give any of ourselves to the world or even to our families yeah let's fill our own cup and i don't think i was doing enough of this earlier but especially i think during the pandemic is when I, I i started giving it much more importance because i realized if i wasn't doing that i was just absolutely setting myself up for failure because there were so many demands of us otherwise from the home front on the home front and the work front that if you're not giving to yourself, you end the day pretty much completely exhausted and burnt out. Um, So having said that, for me, my morning routine, I I would typically wake up around five, unless I have uh, something I I really need to spend more time on then I'll wake up even earlier, but five works really well for me. I'm an out and out morning person. Um, I always, without fail, begin with, some meditation practice. Um, My minimum is 10 minutes uh, and other days it may be more. Um, Then after that, for me and again, in my line of work and because I'm just a huge love of learning is something that, that has a very special place in my life. I always then move into some kind of uh, learning, so I usually keep a lot of very interesting podcasts queued mm-hmm. up, or interesting things I want to learn queued up on my um, on my laptop as well. And for me, I just feel like it's a gentle way to just warm up my mind by just mm-hmm. listening to something that's soothing, inspirational, or something I can really learn from um then i have my uh either i do yoga i do yoga three times a week or i'll do um some kind of strength training workout that i I do on my own there's a program that i that i follow and i do that in a fasted state because uh, i believe um that is is a great way to um really give yourself a, a, a energy in a, in, in a, in a really significant way. It really energizes the body when you're doing it in a, um, in a faster state. And of course it, it helps with fat loss and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the one thing that I really love, and, and this is a, a great practice for me is to just go for a walk, even if it's just for half an hour, um, in the mornings, I listen to my favorite podcast and, uh, um, and, and just, just, be with nature which um is so important for us also from the if you look at the science behind um circadian rhythms yes. for us to really turn on our, all of our systems if you expose yourself to nature and to sunlight that is it's like turning on that that on switch for your all your systems to go into high gear and so you can really perform at a, at a level of high productivity for the for the rest of the day. And then, of course, after that, I have my, my work day, my meetings, um, all working from home still, uh, but it's working out beautifully. Um, and then the the only other thing I would emphasize is, that is is it really helps to have a very clear evening routine as well. Yeah. Because the other thing that I realized that is so, so, so important um, is our sleep. Yes. Um, And in order to get a good night's sleep, it makes a huge difference how you end your day. So one thing uh, very, very important is to have a very clear boundary, to actually have whatever routine works for you, a way to shut down work, whether you're doing it physically, saying, the the day is over, or mentally you're just saying, shut down complete. Um, so you can just transition and move into, um, the other, uh, phase, uh, of your day and just relax, whether it's with your family or whatever else, uh, helps, uh, in the day for me, it's, I, I, other than spending time with my family, I, I, I love just reading, um, at the end of the day, because, um um, that all, that's also, uh, another way for me to ensure that I'm not spending time on social media because that I feel yeah. like does not work, especially at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I have my, I do a little bit of gratitude journaling before I end the day. And then I'm usually in bed by around 10 o'clock. Okay. I love your day, look into
0: your life. And I like how you have your, you know, your morning routine, your evening routine, all of that, uh, which of course, uh, I never followed uh, till I started my own business, then burnt out. And then of course, came into it slowly. Uh, It's taken me uh, time to move into my fully into my morning routine. I think always there's going to be work in progress. You're going to tweak something and with that, as we come to the end of our uh, interview, I just have one question before I let you go. You have been, I mean, this has been such a great conversation. I don't really want to end this. But my uh, question to you would be, is there a piece of advice that you would like to give to women? Because we all at some point have had to juggle career, uh, your mom as well, uh, motherhood, all of this. So when what's your advice for women who worry about being able to do it all
1: um great question savita so of course at the outset i would say um i don't even think any of us need to put this kind of pressure on ourselves to be able mm. to do it all uh, i mean I, I it's it's for whatever reason and again it's, it's it's a function of the cultural influences around us many of us have developed this superwoman syndrome where we feel like we can and should do it all. I want to also sometimes. And exactly. Um, and it is not possible. So a few things I would say there is first, uh, and what's worked for me, the first thing is to just let go of any notion of perfectionism. Specifically, <clears throat> um I know I am never going to be a perfect mother and I've just accepted that I'm not even putting that kind of pressure on myself I want to be a good mother yes uh, that is important to me but I know I'm never going to meet some high bar of being this ideal mother so I'm not even uh, you know uh, I'm not even putting that kind of pressure on myself and um yes I do what I can but I'm I avoid as much as possible um, falling into those guilt traps of, gosh, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And and so I I think the more and more uh, you make peace with what you can do, um, I think that helps. The other thing, of course, is one has to prioritize because... We cannot do it all. So of all the things that are on our plate, what are the things that are most important to you? For me at this point of time, it is my my career is very, very, very important to me. My family is very important to me. And other than that, whatever time that I have left, yes, uh, I I do focus on my health a lot as well. Yeah. Um, Sadly, uh, last year and this year as well, I think my social life has definitely taken a hit But that's okay. There will be a time and place for that to pick up as well. The final thing I would say when it comes to, um, you know, doing it all is, I do think once you know what is important to you, it is possible to make room for that in your life. I don't think, um, while we cannot have it all we can have the things that are most important to us for example um so i I mentioned health and fitness is very important to me last year i wasn't focusing on my health and fitness that much i think many of us were not there was a lot of comfort eating that was happening you know the dalgona coffees and the banana breads and 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 what happened So um, so and, and, and the thing the thought process around working out would be, oh gosh, can I really take out half, uh, one hour or 45 minutes to work out? And so I wouldn't. And I did very little of, yeah, I had my morning walks and yoga, but I wasn't doing a lot of working out outside of that. And so this year, I'm like, look, I do my, my, my health is important to me. I'm tired of feeling this lethargy and feeling bloated all the time and this has to change. So I was like, okay, so given the time that I have, where do I get started? Okay, I do have 15 minutes a day that I can devote to my health and fitness. So I started this fitness program where I was just, I was following, following along these videos. And in the beginning, I was just doing these 15 minute uh, workouts a day in the first month. And then I gradually increased it to half an hour and 45 minutes eventually. but. That's how I got started. And now I'm hooked. Now, if I don't work out on any given day, I really feel that loss. But the point is, I think, we can all ask ourselves what is most important to me and not to give up on it altogether but find some way to squeeze it into your day even if it's just for 10 minutes or 15 minutes because it will make a huge difference to your state of mind how you feel about yourself your energy your well-being your happiness um so yeah that that would be my strongest encouragement oh gosh like it's this is been so
0: good and i feel like Wow. I mean, there's been so much value. So thank you so much. I know that our audience is going to be hooked on this conversation. They take away. There's so many takeaways. Like I'm like, I already have 10 things that I've kind of made a note each minute. I'm like noting down this minute, right? So I, I I love taking notes as we are doing interviews. So I like to make a note of what was the time so I can come back and listen to it. And I think it's been amazing talking to you, Bhavna. Thank you so much for your time, for being so generous with your time and being here on a Saturday evening recording with me. So I appreciate it and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. And uh, I hope uh, to continue to follow your journey. All the best, Shinomics. Now, one thing before you go, how can people find you? How can people connect with you and
1: tell us more about how people can work with you in your programs? Uh, great. Um, you can actually find us anywhere on social media under Shinomics. Yeah. That's the easiest way anywhere, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, Or you can also look uh, for me uh, under my name, and you will find uh, any of our work uh, through that as well. If you want to work with us, one program in particular I would love to highlight, uh, which is our signature program that's open to the public, so anyone can be a part of it, is the Conscious Woman program, which is a curated journey of... um, three to six months um, where we take women on this journey of mindful leadership and compassionate leadership. And the next batch would be starting early next year, January, but we are, um, we have opened up the wait list for that program. So I'll share that link with you. And if you could yes. share it with everyone would love for, would encourage everyone to, if this interests you to get on the list so we can get in touch with you.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to be dropping the links for Shenomics, Bhavna and the program. So everybody look out for that. Plus we'll be sharing this on our social. With that Bhavna, thank you so very much. Thank you for being on our show. And I look, I'm cheering you on. I'm following you in your journey and always here uh, wishing you the very best um, in your journey ahead, and of course, everyone should be a part of the Conscious Woman program because I'm also hosting a session on that. So yeah, we talk about visibility over there. So make sure to check out, look up this program, sign up. I know uh, I've seen so many participants go through this, uh, and I've seen them take away so much from the program. So yeah, this is the program for you if you're
1: looking to build on your leadership. With that, Babna, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Savita. It's been such a delight speaking to you. And I am so, so happy for you. Like I said, it's been so nice for me to watch your incredible journey over the years. And I have no doubt you're going to continue to do amazing. So I'm also going to be watching you very, very closely to yeah. see what wonderful thing comes next for you, because I'm yeah. sure many wonderful things are in store for you. Thank you. And thank you for always being an inspiration to me. And with that, thank you everyone for listening in.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success. If HubHopper original को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया। अगर आप भी अपना podcast to launch करना चाहते हैं, तो HubHopper studio website पे register करें और एक minute के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का podcast launch करें।